Galatians chapter 6. I may have preached on this uh, passage at other times, but I've never, I, without looking back on any of that, I, I just felt burdened to do this. The title of the message is Do Good. Do Good. I want to try to, to explain to you what biblically that means. What does it mean to do good? It's an injunction that we have from God as born-again Christians. Galatians chapter 6, verse 10 says, and as, what, as we have therefore opportunity, because you may not always have opportunity. Boy, that's big right there now. But as we have opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Father, we pray that you come and anoint this time together. In Jesus' name, amen. The word good, we ought to start out with definite, defining it. Uh, it means to be morally right or righteous. Some synonyms to good are virtue and integrity. Um, worthiness is a, is a synonym. Purity, merit. It's something, to do good is to do something of benefit. To do something that helps build uh, something that is wholesome, something that is pure, and something that is honest. The Bible says a lot about this word. Matthew chapter 5, 44 through 47, we'll not read all of it, but I'm going to take a few phrases out of Jesus' statement there about good. He says, by saying to you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good, do good to them that hate you. In Luke chapter 6, verse 35, parallel passage, he says, beloved, Ye your enemies do good, lend, hoping for nothing again, and your reward shall be great. You shall be the children of the highest. For he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. Now swallow hard on that. The, the, the most God-hating, wicked person that is alive in the world today gets fresh air. 21% oxygen, gets to see a sunrise and a sunset, gets to drink water, gets to eat food that's prepared by God. God, that statement there, for he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil, flabbergasts me. What does that do to you? God, of his very nature, is good. He does not simply possess goodness, but of it's who he is, he is good. It makes sense that his people that have trusted in Jesus Christ as their personal Savior and have been born from above, John chapter 3, it would make sense that they would reflect his goodness that his people would share the same image and the same likeness as Jesus Christ. When Jesus said, follow me, this is what he was talking about. In one area, at least, this is what he was talking about. I did good, you do good. Jesus' life is summarized in Acts chapter 10, verse 38, where it says, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Most of you know the Bible well enough to know in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3 and 4, you may not know that. 
But you know the Bible well enough to know the Bible teaches that people that are considered lost without Christ are blind. They see physically, but spiritually they are blind. The Bible says it this way, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. I have quoted that and read that and gone over that verse over and over and over because every, everybody needs to get that real clear. The unsaved person does not understand the gospel or understand the Bible or have any, uh, any love for it because they're blind to it. How do they get blind? According to the Bible, the God of this world, he's called 14 different names in Scripture, Satan, the devil, the serpent, etc., etc., has blinded them. He is a master deceiver. According to Revelation 12, 9, he deceiveth the whole world. He's a master deceiver. And he, he, can, he, can have a, he can have you thinking black is white and white is black if you're not careful and if God doesn't intercede for you. And so there's no greater good that you and I can do any person than to help a blind person see. So let's start with the greatest good. What's the greatest good you can do anybody? Is to share the gospel with them. That's simply the greatest good. Does that, does that make sense to you? If somebody's lost without Christ, and eventually you have to stand before Jesus, the great white throne judgment, answer for their sin, and be cast in the lake of fire. And you can share them, you can share the gospel with them. The Holy Spirit will let them under, help them understand it. They will voluntarily and of a free volitional will choose Jesus and be saved and be entered, their name be entered in the book of life. They are filled with the Holy Ghost. They're baptized with the Holy Ghost. He's never going to leave them. They get to someday stand before Jesus at, at the uh, Bema seat of Christ uh, and be judged for the works they did in the body and eventually receive reward for the things they did for God and then be entered in, ushered into the kingdom of God to spend the rest of eternity working with and for the Lord Jesus Christ and doing whatever he wants us to do. All the Bible says his service shall serve him. That's two different outcomes of pretty radical difference, don't you think? I've spent most of my, I've spent the vast majority of my adult life trying to do good, at least in one area of trying to tell the blind people out there that you can see if you want to. You can see by giving them the gospel. Uh, in Acts chapter 26, verse 18, Jesus, when he appeared to Paul on the road to Damascus, he said this to, to Paul. He said, your mission is going to be to open their eyes. That's that, un unblinding them. So Paul's mission in life was literally to open the eyes of the blind. It doesn't get much better than that. To open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan, which is the blinder, unto God, that you may, that you may have a forgiveness of sins and inheritance. See, you get forgiven and brought into the body of Christ, and that gives you an inheritance. You change fathers when you get saved. The Bible said that, that, that you're of your father the devil. That's Jesus' words, by the way. You can argue with them all you want. 
But originally, without Christ, every person walking on this planet is, a, is their father is the evil one. That's what Jesus said, John chapter 8, verse 44, you're the father of the devil. But when you, get, when you trust Christ as your Savior, you, as it were, divorce your old father and get born into a new family, and you get new blood. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. And we get a new destination, a new outcome. It can't get better than that. It's as good as it gets. So to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto God, that you may receive forgiveness of sin and inheritance among them, which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Of course, Jesus is speaking. So healing a person bodily can help them now and now. Now, Dr. Ann Livingston, we supported her for many years in Haiti. She's a medical, American Board of Surgeons certified doctor. She decided to give her medical career in the poorest land in North South America called Haiti. And so she goes down there. She came here first to raise funds to be able to go. Uh, when we called her on the phone, we heard about her, and we said, we'd like to have you come. She said, well, I don't just go anywhere. She says, are you people fundamental? Now, I'm usually the one asking the questions. And she says, well, I got a few questions I need to ask you before we go further. I said, okay, use King James Bible, yeah. Uh, you believe, uh, and she goes through this whole, this whole list of questions with me, and we pass the test. Now I say, well, I'll ask you a few questions, but I don't need to. You just ask them all. She says, well, I won't come if you don't have the right answers. But that's just who that woman is. And so I said, man, I am so eager for you to come now. I can't even tell you you need to come to Gospel Baptist and, and, and tell us what you want to do because I think you're our kind of people. And so she came and presented her ministry to physically start a hospital and help people where there was no doctor. I've been to the places where she's at. A guy will die from a cut. That gets infected. A person will die from having a broken toe that gets infected. Uh, I mean, it's amazing the agony people are in because there's no help at that time. This was in the early 80s when Baby Doc was ruling Haiti. And so, boy, I said, that'll be a great ministry, Doc. Well, she says, I just want to make it clear. This is like her, her, her style. I just want to make it clear that though I'm going down there to help their physical bodies, my main goal is to help their spiritual condition so that they come to know Christ. Because she says, if I help their spirit, their physical bodies, they're still going to die. I thought, well, that's right. She says, I may be able to help somebody in 30 years. He lives better, but they have more accountability because they live longer and eventually going to stand before God and have to answer for their sin. And without Jesus Christ, can be cast in the lake of fire. She said, that's not why I'm going. Primarily, I'm going there to tell them the gospel. I thought, man, oh man, I like, I just, everything that woman said, I liked her better. I, if I hadn't been married, I'd have probably proposed to her. The highest good you can do for someone is to tell them the gospel, folks. Now, feeding the hungry is good, but they eventually will have to die. And if they don't know the gospel, they still will have a horrid eternity. So we agree together, hopefully this morning, that leading them to Christ is the highest good and the noblest good that you can do to someone. Now I say all that because liberal theology, that's your mainline denominations for the most part, 
but not necessarily all of them. But liberal theology, people who almost don't believe the Bible, the only part of the Bible they believe they say is are the Beatitudes, uh, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, and then they question what, what's real in that and what's right. They don't believe in the creation six days. They don't believe in, 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 a, in, a, in a worldwide Noah flood. They don't believe that Jonah was swallowed by any kind of fish or whale. They don't believe in the miracles of the Old Testament. They believe all that's been added in by people and contrived and, and, and for the good. They don't, if you start getting down with them and you start talk oh they come across as lovey dovey sweet but they're not the truth is they're vicious have you not since this last election one thing brother one thing trump did to the liberals he stripped their facade of kindness off those people are not a kind group of people you cannot disagree with them they will go crazy they go ballistic they call it being triggered I call it being shot. They go wild. They will not even live with... I have a cousin. I had to block him. You Facebook folks know what I'm talking about. But liberal theology... Is that the trumpeter? Liberal theology is out there saying, do good. We help people... Poor people eat. We help poor people have clean drinking water. We help poor people have a place to live. We help poor people have clothes. And all of that is good. And the disciples for Christ, disciples for Cuba, excuse me, are, are, that's one of the main missions, but that is not the main mission. That's all wonderful. But it ultimately, if these people don't come to Jesus, and, and of course mostly the the, the, uh, the thrust of that disciples of Cuba is going to already people that are born again and trying to reach people for Christ. But if you, if you just help a lost person uh, eat better, sleep better, have better water, you prolong ultimate misery by giving those things which pertain to the body and starving them from the things which pertain to the spirit and the soul. Humanitarian emphasis over spiritual emphasis. That's a definition of liberal theology. They, they, they go wild and, and they, go, they put their efforts in and go crazy about helping humanitarian needs. But then they don't give the gospel. Why? Because they're simply, most of them that I've talked to and that I've read about, they really don't believe this book is the inspired, preserved word of God. And if you don't believe the things in this book come from God and have been preserved by him, no wonder you're not enthused about really very important about sharing what's in here. Now you wouldn't be very enthused. Why would you? Yeah. And so, but I believe as born again, fundamental, independent Baptist Christians, we can do both. We can do both. Never do something physical to help a person without giving them the gospel. Never attach it to the gospel. I'm going to give you an example of something I had opportunity to do. I'm coming home the other day on, I can't remember the name of the street anymore. There's so many different new streets. Eh? So on new north and south street, I'm coming along, and it's around a curve and going down. There's no place to pull over. They make these streets with no place to pull over. What is that about? They put this cement curb up there, and I got a four-wheel drive. I can just go up in their sweet little grass. But most people just pull over that, and then it creates a, 
blockage of this, there's two lanes of blockage of this is there. I came up, it was a very dangerous situation. A guy was pulled over right to the curb. You know, people were coming and avoiding and trying to, I thought he's going to get killed. I pulled over. I got a big old truck. I put my blinkers on. I blocked the first lane totally where there was no doubt. You're not going to get by unless you want to hit my truck. I went over there and I asked the guy, what's wrong? And he says, there was a woman with a little baby and it was about 92, 93, you know, real hot, real human. She's over there with that little baby sweating. I mean, sweating. He's sweating. He's trying to get, you can tell this guy was not mechanical. You know what I mean by that? He just was not mechanical. I went out there and he says, I got a flat tire and I can't get the tire off. I don't know what's going on. I can't get the tire off. So I said, well, let me, of course, Billy, that's me, has a, uh, has an electric battery powered impact, half inch impact wrench I just carry with me. Plus, I, I carry uh, compressed air, and I carry a tire patch of all kinds of tire patch kits. So I'm, I'm able to pretty much, and I even, so his jack, he had one of them little jacks, you got to go half turn, half turn about 500 times to get it up. I put my impact wrench on that, and I go, just whoop, car goes up. Why? Because I don't want to get sweaty. <laughs> I go over there to his, this, little, this little Japanese car with this big half inch. Just half inch will break your wrist. I go, brum, 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 take them all, pull the tire off, put the new tire on, brum, 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 go to the jack, lefty Lucy, pull the thing. I said, okay, you can go now. He goes, man, what can I do for you? I said, you can come to church. Here's my, here's my business card, which is Jesus loves you uh, and the gospel. And I said, the best thing you can do for me to become the gospel Baptist church just down the street and uh, share a Sunday with us. And there was the best news I ever found on that gospel track. But I said, I need, we probably need to leave before we both get killed. Because people were just... People were just, you know, going by and trying to get in. It was a mess. We got them all done. But what, what the point being is, I got all that equipment in my truck, not for me. I haven't had a flat in ages. I got that for them. Because when you change somebody's flat, guess what they have? They have an attitude of gratitude. And when they got that attitude of gratitude, it's a perfect opportunity to give them the best news you ever heard of, and that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Don't accept money. No, no. They'll try to give you a hundred bucks. They'll try to give you. Don't do it. Say you just take this card and you listen to, the, and or maybe if they can talk, if you're in a place where you can talk, you can explain the gospel why you do what you do. Do good unto all men. I didn't know him from Adam, but I tell you what, it was God's day for him. It was God's moment and day for him. We can do both. We can carry air to fix flats. We can we can fix we can do all kinds of things uh, that physically to help people. And I know in folks in this church, I don't want to name them by name, that have a ministry of helps. They go around and fixing plumbing and go around fixing air conditioners and they go around fixing electrical and they go around fixing lights and I can't even name you all the stuff that they're they're just they've just been gifted. In the area of mechanical ability, they fix transmissions. Um, uh, they rebuild engines. Uh, 
they, they, they pour some in. And they do all kinds of benevolence. But listen, don't let that benevolence go to waste. Do good unto all men, but make sure your first good is the gospel. Don't do a good deed without giving the gospel. Use your opportunity of doing good to spread the highest good. The highest good, which is the gospel. As we therefore have opportunity. Some of this, I create my own opportunity, don't I? By having that stuff in my truck, I create my own opportunity. When I go get my scuba tank filled, I use a 30 cubic foot scuba tank to fill tires with. I go into the scuba guy to get it filled. He never charges me. It's supposed to be about three, four bucks to get it filled. I always try to pay him. I say, he says, what do you use this for? I used to help people fill tires. He says, brother, if you're going to help fill the tires, I'll give you free air. And so then God blesses me. And when I need something, that be, that I'll find people want to jump in on that thing. We are, the Bible even says we're to be careful. That means we're to pay attention. We're to think through what I'm talking about this morning so where we can do good works. Let me read it. Titus chapter 3 verse 8. This is a faithful saying, and these things I will, that thou affirm constantly that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. What did I say? Might be careful. Maintaining them. Notice the word constantly. Affirm constantly to maintain, to do good works. These are good and profitable unto men, the Bible says. First Peter chapter 3, verse 10 through 11. For he that will love life. Man, I don't know anybody in this room that probably doesn't want to love life. And see good days. I about I bet if I took a vote, there were, we'd have ninety. We'd have ninety-nine to to one. There's always got to be one. But ninety-nine to one that would not want to see good days. Let them refrain his tongue from evil and their lips from speaking God. Let him askew evil and look at what it puts in the midst of that list. Do good. In the midst of that list, you want to have a good life. You want to. You want to. Isn't it fun to do good? Isn't it? You know when I left that old boy. And his wife got in the car, and the guy they got going. My, I don't know. You, there was just something. Drugs and I. When I was before I got right with God, I did drugs. Drugs never were that good. Drugs always gave you a hangover, an aftertaste, or uh, kind of like saccharin. But you do good in the name of Jesus, and give the gospel on top of it. There is a reward, folks, that God himself does for you that you can't pay to get. And you can't do drugs to get it. You can't artificially create it. There's a self, there's a satisfaction that he gives us in, in being like him. Like him. Books says he does good even under the evil. And those who hate him. We're, I think the Bible is clear enough as Chris, so we're to keep our minds focused on these good works. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Finally, brother, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things of a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, Think 
on these things. People say to me sometimes, preacher, I'm depressed. Oh, Rack Hiles years ago had an illustration woman come to his office. So I'm so depressed, preacher. He says, well, I want you to go start baking cookies, and here's a list of people to give them to. She got furious, slammed the door, and walked out. I come for help. You give me a list of baked cookies. Come on. Well, you know, that she avoided him in church. He'd see, he'd, every time they'd be walking down the hall together, she'd turn off because she didn't want to be, she didn't want to see him. Be, so she, he avoided her. Finally, he said, you ain't avoiding me. So he got in a position, he got in a place where she couldn't avoid him. And she got up, she, he got up to her and he says, hey, how did Costa go? And she says, she kind of, you know, it worked. I'm so busy. I just called being depressed off. I know that's simplistic, and people like complicated answers, not simplistic answers. It's amazing how simplistic sometimes the cure can be for a complicated situation. Start doing good to all men. Start carefully looking for opportunities to do good to all men, especially them of the household of faith. You know the guy, have you ever heard of Barnabas? Called the son of encouragement. You know what the Bible says about him in Acts 11, 24? It says, for he was a good man. A good man. Brother, at my funeral, you couldn't say anything better than that, even if you had to lie. Just kidding. Remember Dorcas? Dorcas, remember her? Dorcas? Well, here's what it says about her in Acts chapter 9, verse 36. This woman was full of good works. A good man, full of good works. Romans chapter 15, verse 2 says, let every, let every one of us please his neighbor for his good. To edification. I want you to know if you live, you live anywhere close to me and you're my neighbor, I am your friend. I am for you in a hurricane. I am preparing myself right now to help you. If a hurricane comes, I have supplies, a mast, uh, guns and bullets. I have fish. I brought into my, I have a little pond where we got our fill dirt, and I brought in 300 channel cats, channel catfish. Some of the best eaten catfish there are, channel cat meats white. I brought in 300 of them. Why? That's my hurricane food. But it's not just my hurricane food. It's my neighbor's hurricane food. Amen? We're going to eat high on the hall if we have a bad hurricane. Because you know what? The hurricane's not going to blow the catfish away. And you know what? The hurricane's not going to blow the gators away. And gator tail ain't too bad. So gator tail and channel cats... Woo-wee! Curlew and, uh, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let me try to put do good under your neighbor. Let me try to define do good under your neighbor. Ready? I'm going to rub the cat a little bit the other direction. Here we go. Here's, here's, some, here's, some, here's some practical application of what it means to do good to your neighbor. That's, by the way, Romans 15, 2. If your neighbor says your music is too loud, shut it down. 
If your neighbor says your barking dog, no matter what size it is, bothers him, get rid of the dog. That is sacrosanct. I'm on sacred ground now, brother. I had a woman come in here for physical help, wanted some food. I, I said, where's your husband? He's out in the, in the car taking care of our two dogs. She's asking for food. I said, you got two, oh, two big dogs. I just happen to know a little bit of what it costs to feed two big dogs. I says, the first thing I'm going to tell you is get rid of both your dogs. She says, I'd get rid of my kids before I got rid of them two dogs. Not knowing her children, I couldn't disagree. I said, well, I'm not going to give you a dime. You get rid of those dogs. Don't come asking people that have saved and worked hard uh, to, to give you their money until you've done everything in your power to help yourself. Oh, that's good preaching. If, here's another good one. Take these home to Nebraska, brother. If your neighbor complains about your place looking shabby. Clean it up. Mow the lawn. My neighbor came over to me, across, lived across the way from me, and he came over and he says, I don't like those weeds growing on. I got 330 feet of fence on the front. He says, I don't like those weeds growing on the front of your fence like that. I said, really? That bothers you? He said, yes, that bothers me. The next day or so, I took some herbicide, buddy. I herbicide all of them. I cleaned all that up. I, and I said, from now on, we're keeping this. And I went over and said, how's it look to you now? And he says, it's better. And I mean, I owe him to do good to him. The Bible commands it. Let me say this. I don't have to have reasons. If God will be kind to the ungodly and to those who hate him, how much more am I supposed to be kind to a neighbor that comes over and asks me, hey, this is bothering me. Could you change it? About Why do you fight that stuff? Why do you argue with him? Why do you say, well, this is my, I hear him, I'm my private property, boy. You don't tell me what to do on my private property. Oh, you can win the battle, but you're going to lose the war. The war is for his soul. That's what Jesus said when he said, be like me. I'll tell you what. My neighbor, I've had neighbors, I had. Uh, I have little animals in my house, a little zoo kind of thing. And I got ducks. I had, I don't right now have anything, but I had ducks. And, you know, raise a duck, it takes about eight, nine weeks, ten weeks to feather out. And I was really looking forward to them getting in the pond and swimming around and, you know, have little ducks in my pond. And, my neighbor's dog came over and killed them all. I don't own a dog. I haven't ever, since I was 17, I haven't had a dog. His dog comes over and kills all mine. Now, my first instinct is I want to take my gun. I want to walk over to his house and kill his dog in front of him. And say, we're even. But I went over to the guy and I said, your dog, you know, came over. I've electrified my fence. I electrified my fence so that it wouldn't happen. But he got under the fence. And he got in there and killed me. 
And I went over to him and I said, you know, I appreciate it if your dog won't come over and kill all my little ducks. Oh, they're just ducks. I said, I know they're just ducks. But I said, what, what if I killed your dog? Oh, my, kill my dog? That's not my kid. No wonder Gillespie's well off. People with that kind of attitude, I said, my ducks are just as precious as your dog. They were. But I determined to do it God's way. Folks, do it God's way. Do good. Even to those who despitefully use you and try to hurt you. Do good to them. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. That's Matthew 5.16. By the way, get creative about your works. And I'm going to finish up with this. Be creative. Bake some cookies. Give them away. Bake some bread and give it away. Mow somebody else's lawn. Pick up somebody else's trash. Help fix some stuff that you see your neighbors needs to have fixed. Personal advice, asking them first. Help fix it. Wash, ask to wash a car. I'm going to not name a person. There's a person in this church that in the whole time of my life, I've never had anybody do this. He came up to me and says, may I wash your truck? Hey, Doc, I'm having a big one. I said, you want to wash my truck? He said, I'd love to be able to wash your truck. I go, what? Why would you do that? And I want to wash your wife's car. And I want to wash your motorcycle. What? Not my motorcycle. That's my precious. Take food to somebody that doesn't have food. Have some fish fries. Invite folks over. You don't know. Passing out, pass out popsicles. Give out some ice cream. Give some candy out. Have a money booth. Give free hamburgers. Uh, give some free pizza. Uh, give out free necklaces. Repair some uh, broken down things. Repair somebody else's car. And your father, which is in heaven, is going to see that. And trust me when I tell you this, he won't owe you. He'll help you. If he doesn't do anything but give you that feeling I had after I fixed that guy's tire. After I fixed that guy's tire. Even my wife couldn't make me upset. And boy, that's big. Because a woman knows where to go. I said, I'm free, man. I'm free at last. No. I was like, free. I was like, I was like ooh, light. I was light. As we therefore have opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially them of the household of faith. Father, thank you for today, the few minutes we've had together. Somehow translate this. Wipe from the minds of these people anything that I said that they should not have heard or maybe it was not good to say. Father, I, you know my heart is only want to say the things that are right to say and things that are good to say. Father, I ask you that you'd take this, this message right out of your word. And, Father, that you'd help us think about it, meditate on it, think on these things. 
Help us to get creative. Start looking around. Who can I help today? Like I heard Mrs. Cora say one day, who can we help today? Oh, I love that attitude. And when you see Jesus, you'll not be upset you obeyed him. You will not be. Father, help us to have a spirit of generosity, a spirit of giving. Forgive us. Forgive us for not being like you more. There may be some in this body of believers that are listening right this moment, maybe even over the internet, who would say, Brother Bill, I don't know Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. You know, I know of Jesus. I may have been baptized. I may have, may have had communion. I may have joined an organization or some church, but I truthfully have not trusted with all my heart. Like the Bible says, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. I've never confessed I'm a sinner unable to save myself and asked Jesus to personally save me. I need to be saved, preacher. You know what? The Holy Spirit's telling you. Why don't you do it today? Why don't you come to us? Let us one-to-one, the room in the back, unobtrusively and kindly, simply share the faith that we receive and how to, be, how to know for certain when you die, you go to heaven, how to have Christ as your Savior. Why not today? And maybe you're here as a, as a believer and you've been depressed and you've been, you have got anxiety problems and you've got all kinds of emotional-based problems. I, I just told you it may be one of the greatest secrets of all the Scripture how to overcome that. It's going to help you overcome it. At the least, it's going to help you overcome it. Lord, help us in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.